This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Deontay Johnson, what an up and down game he had against the Atlanta Falcons. Again, second week in a row, most targeted receiver on the team. 11 targets, more than doubled up anybody else. Pat Firemuth was next with five. So they're getting him more involved. They're looking towards DJ more and more. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like trying to get who you think is one of your biggest playmakers involved more when he has been very quiet all year. But there's these moments that he just reminds you of why it's not necessarily all, oh, he's wide open and no one's throwing him the ball. And, oh, his bad season's all on everybody else and not him. The one on third down where he was crossing over the middle and Kenny hit him right in the hands could have not only been a first down but a touchdown. He dropped it. Mm -hmm. I think he dropped another one that could have been a touchdown in this game. In the corner of the end zone. In the zone. corner of the end yeah. zone. It was a good it was a good yeah, effort that by was the tougher to catch back, the, that was tougher to catch the other one. If you're Deontay Johnson, you're getting this this contract. You need to make those catches. Uh-huh. And that's really where I'm at, Jacob. Have I think you, I think the I think the one that was like on the third crossing down, route. I mean the crossing that was route. easy money. That, egregious. It is egregious. And then he gets bailed out by the refs. The because fumble, that yeah. was a fumble and whew, could that have changed things massively. Now, of course, the Falcons, even after the punt, did go down and threaten on the goal line. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess either way they would have gotten to the same point. But you can't fumble in that situation and can't always hope that the refs are going to bail you out with a very questionable decision after looking at the re- review. But, you know, he does some good in this game. He had some big third down and first down conversions when the team needed it, especially late. Uh, he had a 20-yard catch. Uh, five oh, yeah, catches yeah. for 60 yards. Again, led the team in targets with 11. But the bad just always seems to come to the forefront of your mind than the good because the bad, like you said, the word egregious is a good one because that's exactly how I would describe that third down drop. Streaking across the middle. And I just don't know what is happening there. What is the disconnect with him and performing like we expect him to perform? And like you're saying, with that catch in the end zone, tough one to catch, but you should catch it. Have you seen a ball in your most recent memory where you can say that was 50-50 or even 30-70 in favor of the defender, but our number one second contract getting $18 million per year wide receiver just made a play? Like, I don't remember him really. No, and I, and I don't, it's, 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 it's unfair it's, to do this because he's not a combat catcher by nature. He can be, though. He's done That's it. That's what I mean. Everybody can be. And everybody should be from time to time, especially if you're getting second contracts and $18 million per year. You just don't see him make the play that makes you go, wow, that was a great catch from Deontay. That's a catch by a, a number one on any team. That's a great grab mm-hmm. by Deontay. It's always just catches he should make or he drops them. Mm-hmm. And then if he, if, even if he does make the catch, there are the moments where, you know, he dances around a little too much. I, I forget which game it was, Tom. Maybe you remember where he had the first down and danced around so much that, that was he just ran last backwards. Week. That was just last week against the Colts. He ran was literally it? five yards backwards and lost and then And then didn't get the first mm-hmm. down, even though he caught the ball beyond the, 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 the yard to gain. There was a play in this game where he did the same thing. He caught the ball and went two steps backwards. He but ended then, up getting then, the first right, down. And then I think he kind of thought about that But I play. still looked yeah. at it and was like, dude, 
why is your first two steps backwards? Always. And you're right. I think you probably did realize it and turned it up field fast. But like that's muscle memory, right? Like oh, absolutely. catch go back two yards. Like, he's got yeah, he's gotta work himself out of that. And I think that that might be a product of well what what's a there's been a lot of criticisms of him this year. But a big one has been yak. Yards after catch has Not been there. non-existent. Completely. I think he's pressing a little bit. Going mm. backwards to kind of create space. Kind of like you do on a punt return. Yeah. Where you run backwards in reverse field. And maybe that's not his fault. I mean, it was his MO. I mean, he was an all-pro re- returner his rookie year. Yeah, I know. And I think that's why, you know, he <laughs> wants that yak. He wants those big plays. He wants the ball in his hand. He's going to tap into a little bit of those things that made him a great punt returner to try to get that yak. But it's just not the same when you're out. You, you can't run backwards in the middle of the field when you're trying to move the offense forward. Like, if you want to run backwards a little bit and you think you can get a nice lane to get an extra 20 yards on a punt return, more power to you. I get it. That Returning punts is crazy. There's just 11 bodies from each team flying in all different directions. Not on offense, though. You can't do that offensively. Right. So I hope that's something that he works out of his system. And the drops are just something that, have gotten better as his career has gone on. They haven't been as bad as that first year when he was just abysmal. Mm-hmm. But they just continue to rear there, their ugly right? heads at there. very inopportune moments. Yeah, it, it, it it's no longer just a one se- a one off season issue, right? They have lingered, as you pointed out. They're not nearly as bad. They're not nearly as frequent as they were in his second season with the team. The fact that here we are, two years post that 2020 season, and we're still talking about the drops. And they come, Tom, at very inopportune times in the end zone, right? Could have had your first touchdown of the year, didn't come down with the ball. Your offense has put up three points this entire half, right? It's yes. five, it's it's however many minutes left in the in the in the fourth quarter in the game. And you have the ball in your hands to make a play to get to the first down, and you fumble it. You get bailed out by the refs. The it, It's not just the fact that they're still happening. It's also when they're happening. Mm-hmm. If you're a number one receiver, right, you don't see Josh Allen shy away from Stephon Diggs because Stephon Diggs is known to drop the ball in clutch moments. Mm-hmm. You don't see that from Tua Tagovailoa with Tyree Kill or any other quarterback wide receiver matchup around the league. Nope. Kirk Cousins to Justin, Justin Jefferson. I mean, think back to a couple weeks ago against the Bills. Made the best catch of the year on fourth down when he was trailing. You don't see that from DJ. And maybe you shouldn't see that from DJ because those are some pretty heavy hitters that you just compared him to. I mean, those are the elites of the elites. But he is in those categories or in the – he's in the ballpark of those players in certain categories. Like separation Mm -hmm. per route run, he's one of the best in football. Uh, New stat that Williamson loves to bring up about, you know – measuring how open a receiver is, and that's very subjective, of course, but yeah, right. you try to put a number to it, he's like the best in the league. He's like the most open in the league at that part. So, you know, I don't think that he's a Jefferson, a Brown, or in that kind of category, but he is an elite route runner. Like, he mm-hmm. is at the top of the game when it comes to that. So there is something he does that is elite in Madden. You know, you get those certain players that have the playmaker icons underneath them. He'd have route runner under his. He'd he'd be a superstar as far as that one facet of the game is concerned. Mm-hmm. But there's just other parts that have yet to develop around that, and you really, really want to see him show up 
with putting it all together. No more drops, yeah, right. more yards after the catch, because he's going to, for the rest of his career, when healthy and young and in shape, he's going to get open in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's just that good at it, and it's it's measurable that he's that good at it. It's just upsetting that some of the other parts of his game have not developed as much as people had thought. And once again, 60 yards, no touchdowns. So another week, 13 of them now, 12 games, no 100-yard performance, no touchdown on the board. He has the most received. I heard this on the broadcast today. He has the most receiving yards in the league this year for a wide receiver that hasn't scored a touchdown. Doesn't I mean, should that surprise no, you? No, not at all. Because you know he's not getting into the No, in fact, zone. I feel shocked when he doesn't have a touchdown. Right, I, you're I'm more shocked. surprised that he doesn't have a yeah. touchdown than you are by that category, or that statistic, just because you know he doesn't have that touchdown. You remember the play where he false started? I think yes. that was the drive that led to the fourth and final Matthew Wright field goal. Yes. I think that ball was coming to him. And that's, and that's kind of excited. That's what the broadcast said, too. Uh, I forget who was doing color. It was like the... F team for CBS mm-hmm. yesterday. I had no idea who those two guys were. But the color commentator was saying that he feels like that was a one-on-one play design. Go to Deontay. Get in the end zone. I haven't what... scored a touchdown all year. This one's coming to me. Oh, my God. I just stumbled out of my stance. And you know what's crazy, too, is that I don't blame him. I, I, I blame him for the false start. Of course I do. But early on in the game, you saw Kenny, and this is something that we've we've kind of praised Kenny for doing so, taking advantage of one-on-one matchups, whether it's Pat or Deontay or Pickens. He sees him one-on-one. He's going, to, he's going to attack you because he trusts his receivers, rightfully so. And you saw that early on in the game this week uh, against the Falcons. Deontay was open on a one-on-one and took it. Uh, I don't know how long the catch went for, but it, it was for at least a first down. So... Do I blame Deontay for for getting excited that the ball is going to come to him because his quarterback recognized that the, the coverage was there for him? No. But do I blame him for not being disciplined enough to contain himself so that you're not going to get called for a false start? Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll put that on you. Yeah. And, again, I am very encouraged with the way that the Steelers are responding to trying to get him going. Back-to-back weeks now where he's led the team in targets. And I think there is something to... You know, Kenny, as a younger player, worked with Pickens a lot more in the preseason than he did Deontay. And remember, Deontay missed a good bit of camp, too. He missed did. a couple of weeks. So, And when he was there, he was working with Mitch in the ones. So, And I think Kenny kind of said that at the beginning. You know, I'm comfortable with George. I'm comfortable with Pat. I've worked gotta, with him a lot more. I gotta learn how to work with Deontay. I haven't worked with Deontay. Yeah. I'm starting to work with Deontay a lot more. And you're seeing that. He's starting to get more and more targets and getting the lion's share of the targets. Uh, but he's not producing with them. The other guy, number 14, he had a rough go of it in his homecoming at Atlanta. Yeah, so I heard Stan make this point saying, you know, Stan didn't like it, and I can understand, you know. Didn't like what, the game plan or his actions? Didn't like his reaction. Okay. But Stan kind of came to his defense and said, listen, this is a kid who was a stud at Georgia. This was his homecoming game. This was he had fans or sorry friends and family galore in those stands watching him play that game. I can understand. Was saying I can understand why when you were there, when you were playing there, and you had friends and family come to see you play, and you balled out all those games. You wanted to do it again. I mean, because the next time, realistically, the Steelers will play in Atlanta will be eight years from could now. Could be, yeah. They so, could get back to back games at Acrestry. The schedule doesn't always right, work with just right, you right, home right, and home, right. home and home. 
So this was his chance. He might chance. never play in Atlanta again if he's a Steeler This was for his life. chance. If he stays a Steeler, yeah. right. I mean, if he moves, then it's possible. But this was his chance to show his friends and family, like, I like I know you watch me every week, but I can show you in person in our home field, even though he's from Alabama. I can show you in our home stadium where you've seen me play so many times before. I mean, you saw me win a national championship. Right, there. exactly. Yeah. So Stan kind of came to his defense in that matter, but overall did not like the reaction. Um, I'm interested to hear how you feel about it. I kind of understand where Pickens is coming from. I'll say this, Tom. But I also think that it's a sign of something to worry about in the future. Where is this guy just going to complain every time things don't go his way? Because even when he steps into that elite role and becomes a Jamar Chase... There's going to be games where you go for three yard, three catches for 20 yards. It, it ha- Jamar Chase has games like that every once in a while. He doesn't bitch, though, because he, he likes other people eating. I, I worry that there might be an archetype growing in him of that diva wide receiver. And I want a diva. Like, don't get me wrong. I want a diva. You need a diva are, mentality. are indicative of... Great receivers. Star player. You need yeah. it. You to to go one on one with defensive backs and to do the things that these receivers do, you need to be able to have the thought process that you're better than anybody mm-hmm. that lines up across from you, that's on the field with you. So I like that, but I, I don't want to see it get crazy out of control. And I especially worry about it when you see it from a rookie like that. Because A B is more off the deep end than anybody could have ever imagined at this current point. He would have Every ne- time he's in the news, it gets worse and but worse. But the first right? two, three years, four years, like you didn't hear him make. I mean, you heard him, but he didn't make amazing peeps on the sidelines. But I don't like, think he. I mean, you grow into that. Mm-hmm. You grow into the ability to bitch and say, "Give me the ball. Why aren't you giving me the ball?" I don't think you can do that with just a couple hundred yard performances under your belt and twelve games under your belt. And again, you're young. And you're you want to you know you want to show up you want to show out in your home state and you've been playing and making plays that get on Sports Center top ten the past couple of weeks and Good Morning Football is talking about you how was he not the number one pick and receiver in this draft the skill set's unbelievable you got to remember that you got a rookie at quarterback man mm-hmm. he's and, learning yeah. and he's clearly got something with you and you two have this great connection but if you want to have success as a team and if Kenny wants to have success in the league he's got to learn to spread it out he's got to learn to feed all the mouths. And I think Kenny talked about that a little bit at the end of the game. You know, like, you know, there's games where it's going to be Deontay. There's games where it's going to be Pat. There's games where it's going to be George. And, you know, I don't think that it can necessarily be as drastic as it was today. I need to learn to get George involved and spread things around a little bit more. But he's learning. It's part of the process. So I didn't like it in that aspect. I will say this, though. I can understand. I totally get where he's coming from. When you finish the day, if you're George Pickens, and again, George Pickens isn't Jerry Rice yet or even Justin Jefferson or these other receivers who are studs right now. But when you're George Pickens, who you just highlighted, Tom, has a better relationship or better connection with Kenny Pickett than he does with Deontay Johnson. But if you're George Pickens and you finish the day with as many targets as Jalen Warren and Steven Sims, only one more target than, ready for this, Connor Hayward, Zach Gentry, Benny Snell, Najee Harris, that's a, that's okay, and Derek Watt. All of those guys, he only had one more target than all of those guys. I can understand the frustration. Exactly, and that's where I was going with is the game plan was just poor when it comes to George mm-hmm. Pickens. You can't right. tell me that. If you see him going slow in the first half, if you see nothing going towards him, you didn't try to design something for him to get him involved. 
Uh, no deep throt, no deep shots, no uh-huh. no plays where you just throw it up and see if George can make an amazing catch. I think there's a 60% chance he probably does. Uh, that was where I was upset at the Steelers side of things yeah, yeah. and not at Pickens complaining on the sidelines because in that aspect, I think it's warranted. You know, if he was pouting and throwing his hands up in the air and saying things like, you know, I stink or stuff like that after he was dropping balls and he wasn't doing things and he wasn't getting open, then I'd be like, dude, you're reaping what you sow. Mm-hmm. It just was odd to me that he wasn't really involved much in this game plan, and if he was, they completely turned away from that portion of the game plan for almost the entirety of the game. So I kind of get where he's coming from in that aspect. It wasn't necessarily just like Kenny was ignoring me. I think it was like, you guys aren't even trying to get me the ball. And and the big blow-up was when Deontay had his fumble, fumble. that wasn't. You could see him on the sidelines screaming, throw me the effing mm-hmm. ball. And honestly, at that point, when I thought it was a fumble, I was like, yeah, I agree with you, dude. Why aren't we throwing him the ball? He's not, I mean, he isn't, he fumble. doesn't fumble. He doesn't really draw passes that he's dropped Unless a Unless he tries couple. to go for one handers. Right, exactly. He had one target, Tom, on the very first drive of the first half. And then that was it for the first half for him. That was it. I mean, they, I guess you could say they tried to get him involved, right? They tried, but not enough. Did, it didn't really work. No. The, Tom, the fact that he had one target in the first half, I mean, I just think it's a little, uh, yeah, you're kind of setting yourself up to fail, right? Don't you think? Absolutely. And, again, I think that the Steelers will go into this week against the Ravens, and, you know, we've had a huge game plan the past couple weeks to get Deontay more involved. Do you switch that over to George now and say, you know, we can't have two targets for our number 14 stud wide receiver. We got to get him involved more in the offensive game plan. And maybe you see a bigger and better game from George at Akershore this week against the Ratbirds, but not good enough as far as a game plan is concerned. You need to get that guy more involved. And I, I will be interested to see if maybe we can hear something from Canada or Tomlin that the Falcons' coverage was dictating that you don't go to Pickens and it was creating openings for Pat and, and Deontay. I doubt that to be the case, though. They might have given a little bit more extra attention to Pickens than he's been used to recently, but you're not just going to go all in on stopping no. Pickens and leave Deontay open when Deontay, we just said, is getting open more than any receiver on the team. Right. You're not going to put him in single coverage now all of a sudden. He'll get even more open. And a caller made this point last night, too, uh, on the postgame show, saying defenses are probably adjusting their game plan. Even though Deontay is the receiver number one, They've seen the talent out of George Pickens. So maybe instead of focusing on Deontay, they're putting their emphasis, they're putting their onus on uh, George Pickens. So maybe he's getting into more double coverage than Deontay is, and maybe that's why Deontay got more looks this week. You know, it's it, it, Talon always likes to talk about how when they're game planning certain things and, and when they're um, facing opponents, it's always on a week-by-week basis, right? It Mm -hmm. always depends on who your opponent is, the game circumstances. And maybe this week, or maybe as the season has evolved, you've seen teams kind of do the same thing. We're saying we know that Deontay Johnson is listed at wide receiver number one, and usually we would put our best guy on that guy, but we know George Pickens is target number one. So I mean, maybe Atlanta just made the right adjustment. Let's do it. We waited too long. Let's get to Kenny Pickett. Okay. Maybe the best first half he's played in yeah. that first half. 145 yards to the air, a touchdown. He was efficient. Dude looked like we were getting on track to that, what we were saying 
mm-hmm. earlier this week. Give me that statistical performance now. Give me 270, there. two tutties. Like, love to see that. You were halfway there to a 300 yard two tutty mm-hmm. performance at halftime. 53 yards passing yeah, in the second like... half. Didn't get, he, he, he ended halftime with 145 yards and he didn't get to 200 yards in the air. So again, a, almost. I mean, he's like one ninety. A second half slowdown yeah. as far as the offense in general was concerned, but also as Kenny is concerned. So we're still waiting for that full game of wow, that's a great statistical performance, and you go out there and you get a win, throw a couple touchdowns. But what we are getting more and more of from him are games where he is not making mistakes, mm-hmm. games where he is an even. Not only has he not thrown a pick since the bye week, I can't remember a pass a that I've been yeah. like, whoa, they got lucky there. He's thrown over, but not, yeah, he's in, missed. In a, not in a threat to turn the ball over. No, he's had bad passes for sure, mm-hmm. but they've always landed safely on the ground or yes. safely out of bounds. And that is something that I'm incredibly encouraged with because he was turning the ball over a lot in the early going of his career. If you had the Kenny Pickett of now, week 14, entering back when he started against the Jets in that second half, he would not have thrown those interceptions. He has grown so much in just a week's time as far as recognizing when he should force a ball in, when he should live to fight another day, when he should throw this thing to the popcorn vendor. The other thing that he's doing incredibly well, his eyes stay downfield the entire Mm -hmm. time. He's not dropping his eyes anymore. Little bit panicky in the pocket sometimes yesterday. There was a couple times where I think he had a clean pocket and he kind of like did the thing where you like jump a little bit in your place and you have to readjust yourself. He didn't need to relocate. That's okay though. He's gonna, it's gonna be a process with stuff like that. And you're, you're always gonna have those moments as a quarterback where you leave a clean pocket. But he didn't get sacked against the Atlanta Falcons. Right. So he was good job of keeping himself protected and good job for the offensive line as well. Did it not, there's there's areas not, of improvement is what I'm saying. Did it not count? If he did get sacked, Tom, I think only one would count, and that was when at the end of the game, right before the Harvin punt, when he slid, right, to right. keep the ball in bounds. Right. I don't know if that counts they didn't as a sack. sack. Okay, the, well, the official that's the only time, though, that I would, I, that would have counted. Very smart play on his part, though. Again, thinking the game well, knowing I got to get down in bounds. So that I don't, you know, stop the clock for the Atlanta Falcons mm-hmm. here. I know that that was a bit of a bust of a play. I think that what was designed was a boot, a bootleg, and Kenny kind of tripped right when he tried to fake the handoff and run to the outside. It allowed the linebackers and the safeties for Atlanta to catch up to him and make sure they sealed off the the edge and pushed him towards the sideline. But smart, savvy play from there. He thinks the game well. Oh, yeah. The game's not too big for him, no. and I think that's what's the most encouraging right now. And again, I know he's not lighting it up yet. I know you want to see that game where he looks like a quarterback that's gonna, you know, be able to win you games on his arm alone, and that has yet to happen. But he's getting better at not losing games for you. Mm-hmm. He's getting a lot better at letting the game come to him, and he's getting a ton better at making sure that he's not giving opponents any you know, momentum-changing plays with turnovers or big sacks. He's he's improving in all the areas that we thought he was doing poorly in. Now it's just waiting for him to put it all together and excel statistically, have a big game through the air. I thought it was going to be this one, man. He looked so good in that first half. 
uh, second half offense is just something that the Steelers really second half and red zone offense is still something that they need to look at and and figure out what's going on there because it's it's been abysmal. Yeah, the second half it's just again for the last two weeks you've come out really strong. You've seemed like a sound team on both offense and defense, and somehow some way you lose that in the second half, and you would think that. As Mike, as again, I'll reference what Mike Tomlin said himself. You have to take advantage of any opportunity you get to pause and regroup and reassess and adjust. And it just does not seem like the second half adjustments are really, or the or the or the halftime break that the Steelers are getting are really being taken advantage of. Yeah, it's upsetting to see, especially when you, when you just see. I mean, you should think you come out of a first half that strongly. In back-to-back weeks, and you equally in both weeks, yeah, come out that that empty-handed in the second half, and that's why I refuse to jump into the waters of, well, the offense is getting better. Maybe Matt Canada does have a job next year because have you seen that train start to leave the station a little bit? Not that necessarily people think he should, but that people are saying, hey, if the offense is improving and looking better, could he potentially be retained? I see it as. Yeah, the offense is getting better, but why is the second half offense not improving? Why is the red zone offense still sputtering mm-hmm. after week four? There's still areas that are not improving that I think I point to and say it's probably best to move on in this area. Um, has he gotten better? Yeah, I'll give Matt Canada credit. He has gotten better, but I think he was kind of out of his depth to begin with. So him getting better, that position him getting better season, isn't yeah. exactly going to. Get him save to save the season, yeah. Save him. One of the best thirty-two offensive yeah, right. coordinators in the world at an NFL level. So uh, I don't see or buy into that. We'll wait for this Kenny statistical outbreak to happen. This explosion of of offense through his arm, but uh, as long as he continues to protect the football, as long as he continues to make strides um, as far as feeling the pocket is concerned keeping his eyes down the field is concerned, I, I think the statistics will come for him. I, I think that that's yeah. just a matter of time. And maybe not this season, but you would think by having this season under his belt, right, where a lot of people thought maybe he'll just play behind Mitch Trubisky all year long and learn from that and then eventually get the starting job, as he should, because you know Mitch is kind of a journeyman and Kenny was drafted with a first-round pick much more recently than Mitch was. I know Mitch was taken with the second overall pick, but that was years ago, five years ago at this point. That was mm-hmm. 2017. So the future was was outlined. It's just how long do you wait to put Kenny in? Now that he has this rookie season and you've seen the progression week by week by week, especially after the bye, zero turnovers. Zero turnovers as a team. Yeah, it's great. It's I know Tomlin loves it. You know? Yeah. I mean, That's his, that is his, his thing. thing. Don't give do him not the ball. Turn the ball over on offense. Do not do it. And they've been outstanding right. at that. I mean, it could uh, since have, the bye week. That streak could have been broken by Deontay, but it wasn't. Thank you, refs. Mm-hmm. Thank you, stripes. All right, let's hand out our money makers before we wrap up yeah, this episode. Uh, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, you can go first. I'll go first. I'm gonna give it to the Hayward brothers. Oh, okay, both of them. Pay that man his money. Or should you say, pay those men their money? Pay those men. Um. You know, just to, you know, get a little sappy, too, it was such an emotional day for them. You know, their dad is buried in Atlanta, played for the Falcons. Uh, They grew up in the Atlanta area as he played in the NFL, and they visited his gravesite the morning of the game. And 
you know, Kenny mentioned at the post game presser that they talked as a team and said, "We're winning this one for your dad." Like, uh, and to have Cam get a sack and, and then Connor have Connor get, get his first down, career yeah. touchdown and the only touchdown of the game. I mean. How can you not be poetic about sports? And how can you not just like feel an energy in yeah. the universe that is weird and almost like a force in Star Wars? Because you can't make that up. That mm. I mean, like we all would have expected Cam Hayward to have a sack, but for Connor Hayward to, to score the only touchdown, touchdown, not only the only touchdown, he went up to get that ball and he was wide. Open I mean, too. think about it. Connor's a short dude. Yeah, like if that's but short, a very athletic dude. If that's Con- if that's Pickens or Pat. They just put their arms up, and that's in their. It falls into their hands. Connor had to get up to get that. And I then love how much of an effort too. he made to stay in bounds too, yeah. because he dragged both feet, and then he like was so worried that he, he didn't. Just, get, like, he just like, kind down of fell down as fast yeah. as he could. Hats off to the Hayward brothers. Super athletic play. Great plays from both of them in that game, and they absolutely contributed to the nineteen to sixteen win. Yes, both they of both them. Did. So congrats to the Haywards. Uh, for me, I'm going to give it to one guy on offense, specifically one play is what I'm thinking of. I'm going to give it to Pat Fryermuth for that ridiculous catch he had. Pay that man his money. Is this the first time? We've been kind of dancing with JDQMTCs of moneymakers week after week. And be he's, been, he's been in that conversation of guys that we, we, we could have given it to. This there, might be the first time we've given maybe. it Maybe. There was a he had that uh eighty five yard performance that was his career high. Mm-hmm. Have, he might have snuck in then. But I think Pickens had hundred yards in that game too. So maybe so we gave it to George, George and said Pat could have gotten it too. Pat this was undoubtedly the best play of his career, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it shows you just how much of a monster he uh, can be. Uh, you know, freak. Just tra- Travis Kelsey looks like a polar bear running in the secondary a lot of times. That play made I'll tell me you think, what, Tom. That play made me think that he could be. We have a polar bear of our own. I'll tell you what. Between those two guys, one of them had a fumble yesterday, and it wasn't Pat Fryermuth. One of them had a fumble basically because he's a polar bear. Like, did you see him looking at the rest being like, "Why didn't you blow that dead?" I was like, "You don't get to say you get no, to blow right, it dead now. You right. drag you people ju- for yards every all other time. time in your career. You're dragging those guys, and and then and then eventually they take you down. You come up and you're flexing. Exactly. Like, Look you, how much of a beast I am. You don't get no. to now all of a sudden be like, "Why right. did you did you blow, right. blow that dead?" Right. I was stopped. Pat Fryermuth is one of two, one of only three tight ends to lead their team in receiving yardage. Is you know it Kelsey? Not Kelsey. It is Kelsey. And okay. And Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews. So and, that's and Pat a pretty Fryer good company. Muth, that's the that's the best two company you can have. The weird in the thing NFL. is, is that I would take Deontay. I'd say the of those three teams, Deontay and Pickens are probably the two best receivers across all three teams. Really, you take them over Devin Duvernay? How dare you? Juju. Juju's been playing well for. I got to give him. That's props. Right. I, well, I, you were making. And you the know, joke about, a big game yesterday for them was Marquez Valdez Scantling. You were making the joke balls. about Duvernay, but I put I put Deontay and Pickens over Juju. Probably, but Juju, I I do He's have to give him credit. Three. He yeah. is he has fit into a role very yeah. nicely yeah, in, in Kansas has. City. So I got to give my hats. And off I guess to him. it's much easier when you really give that coaching staff all the praise that he does <laughs> compared to the ones compared to the praise he gave to Pittsburgh. All right, we're going to talk about the rest of the action in Week 13 when we come back, wrap up. Great week of football. It was a great week of football and really a great game between the Chiefs and the Bengals that we'll dive into. We'll talk about the rest of the AFC North as well. That's all on the way. Make sure you subscribe to this very show, Steelers Standard. You can do it uh, wherever you get your podcast. Every episode we do is available for download on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you find your podcasts. Week 13 recap coming up next on the Steelers Standard with Tom Offerman and Jacob Recht.